0: Welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome in uh, to the Mostly Legal Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Matt Irby. I'm filling in for Mr. Commissioner, Jonathan Rogers, this week. Uh, Jonathan needed some time off from fantasy football and podcasting to most likely work 11 straight days for 12 hours or more. I'm going to guess Jonathan can probably hear his own pulse uh, through his forehead right about now. Um, So he's taking some much-deserved time off. I'm happy to be here, though. Hopefully I don't run this train too far off the tracks. Uh, today we're going to talk about news from last week, both in the league, the big league and in our league. And then we'll run it back by looking at last week's matchups. After that, I'm going to talk just a little bit about what I find interesting about this league. Uh, and then we'll briefly talk about next week's matchups. It's by season, so that could get interesting for at least a few of our of our teams. And Then I'm going to do a quick interview with one of our owners, uh, Nick Marr. I'm going to ask Nick, I'm going to get to the bottom of exactly how much he paid for advance notice on the Christian McCaffrey News. All right, speaking of news, let's get to some news.
1: News team, assemble!
0: Okay, first on the injury front, we've got Dawson Knox, tight end for the Buffalo Bills, who's going to be out for a few weeks with a broken hand. So, Brayden, you may want to scrape the bottom of the barrel for some streamable tight ends over the next few weeks while, while Dawson recovers. Looks like Baker's going to be out for at least one week in case Keenum will be starting in his place. If anybody needs to stream a quarterback this week, Keenum is most likely going to be available. Uh, I'm, I'm going to guess he's available at about 110% of fantasy leagues. Uh, the Bengals are closer to getting uh, Hakeem Adenji back on their offensive line, so I'm sure sure Joe Burrow is happy about that one. Tyreek Hill didn't practice on Wednesday with a quad injury, but he's not expected to miss any time. And last but not least, and we'll discuss this more in a little bit, um, but Christian McCaffrey has been placed on injured reserve, so he'll miss at least three weeks with a hamstring injury. Hopefully he'll get back to full strength after some time off. He's had some injury issues over the last few years i just really hate to see such a talented guy have his career cut short by injuries. Uh, Chuba Hubbard will continue to start in his place for at least the next three weeks. And on the bright side, that's really good for him. Um, Product from Oklahoma State. Really good running back. I think this is his chance to really, really show what he's got and maybe uh, build a career off of this. Next in trades, the only big trade in the NFL was Zach Ertz, a.k.a. Julie Ertz's husband. He was traded from Philadelphia to Arizona. Uh, that should really help an already vaunted Cardinal offense by giving Kyler an option in the middle that, that's not a running back that he can dump off to. He's got deadly weapons on the outside, but adding somebody that can can find soft spots in zones in, in the middle of the field is really going to help, I think. Hurts is also adept at adjusting when his quarterback leaves the pocket, having played with Jalen Hurts at Philadelphia. So I think that will fit really well with what Kyler does there in Arizona. This just dropped seconds before I pushed record on this podcast. It looks like Desha- Deshaun Watson may be getting traded to Miami. He's on the trade block now in our league. Um, so that'll be interesting, see what that does to uh, Tua. Uh, I think he's, he's coming back, and he's, he's been playing pretty good. So we'll see what Deshaun does if he gets moved to Miami and what that does. In our league, we had some, um, some moves made this week. Jacob Blacks in a 2023 third-rounder to Jonathan for Chris Carson's backup in Seattle, Alex Collins. Jury's still out on, on how valuable these draft picks are going to be. I don't think we'll really know until, uh, until after we have at least our first rookie draft. Um, so they're kind of getting tossed around and, and assigned some value. So it'll be interesting to see um, what happens there with those. Nick and myself, we swapped running backs. Nick getting James Conner. And I picked up Saquon's uh, handcuff. His backup there in New York. I'm not sure if his think his last name's Booker. Doesn't really matter. Um, he'll only be useful as long as Saquon's out. Um, one big trade to talk about. Seth sent Brandon Cooks, Mike Williams, and Khalil Herbert to Nick Marr for Christian McCaffrey and Chenault, uh, wide receiver out of Jacksonville. Now this is one that we want to talk about, and we'll talk about it with Nick when he gets on the podcast. Um, and I'm not saying that Nick had some inside info, but it's more than a little fishy that he traded c the day before he's placed on IR. Not sure where he's getting his info, but uh, maybe the commission needs to look into this more. Maybe some tampering. Maybe some self-dealing. Who knows? Um, this is an interesting move, though, because now three of the top four running backs taken in our, our uh, inaugural draft have been moved, Um, and all for for pretty substantial packages. makes me wonder if this league will become more receiver and quarterback focused as it drags on and guys like McCaffrey, uh, Dalvin Cook, and Saquon Barkley spend extended time on the sidelines. Something to look at moving forward. could also go the other direction where our rookie drafts are running back focused because it seems the trend of young backs getting early playing time uh, in their careers is here to stay. So it's pretty interesting. Okay, next we're going to run it back and look at the matchups from last week.
1: Marty! You've got to come back with me! Where? Back to the future!
0: First up, we've got Team Mitch, who took on Team Corey Hill. Corey almost squeaked out his first win of the year, but that Dak-CD Lamb stack just couldn't get it done, no matter how much Leonard Fournette wanted it for you. Corey, sorry to say you're looking at 0-6. Hopefully it'll happen soon, um, probably in Week 11 when you and I play. So keep your head up, man. Mitch, on the other hand, is an impressive 5-1, and one, despite only making two roster moves all season, and one of those moves included Landry Jones. So does that even count, really? Next, we've got Jacob Black taking on uh, Braden Davis. They went head-to-head uh, with Jacob getting off the schneid. I guess those waiver wire moves worked out, didn't they? Maybe Jacob is figuring something out. He's sitting at 3-3, three and three, and at this point, it's anybody's league, really. Braden just couldn't get it done and falls back to the middle of the pack at 3-3. Three and three. We move on to Seth versus Andreas. Now, this was a big battle, um, a low-scoring affair, but one with major consequences for the league. Both guys came in at 4-1, and one, but Seth snuck out with a sub-2-point win behind big games from Josh Allen and Khalil Herbert. Uh, Seth's team will be one to watch moving forward with um, the trade for Christian McCaffrey and him being on the sideline on IR. So he may have sacrificed a few wins for the long-term uh, gain of picking up McCaffrey, but we'll see. Andreas just couldn't squeeze quite enough out of Der- Derrick Henry this week, and he drops to a respectable 4-2. and two. Both teams sit comfortably in the playoff picture, though. Up next is Tanner and Brennan, two law school bros going toe-to-toe. I thought Brennan was going to get another win on the books this week, but Geno Smith just couldn't get it done, and that hurts when you're relying on big production from DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Instead, Brennan falls to 1-5. Better luck next time, B. Tanner, on the other hand, has rallied after losing the first three weeks to now winning three in a row. And we'll see what Nick Marr's new refreshed lineup has to say about that in Week 7. Speaking of Nick Marr, he took on the commissioner this week in another close one. Despite solid outings from Kyler and the Joneses of Green Bay, Jacksonville, and Tennessee, Nick just couldn't get it done. Kirk Cousins was too much for him. Jonathan got solid outings from his receivers, including Stephon Diggs and our resurgent Emmanuel Sanders. Way to go, Kamish. Nick falls to 3-3 while Jonathan starts a one-game winning streak and sits at 3-3. And And finally, yours truly faced off against JD this week. JD came in at 4-1 and and was looking to set himself atop the league with another solid week. I, on the other hand, have key guys with lingering injuries all over the board, was forced to run out my my favorite guy, wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills, Cole Beasley at Flex, along with AJ Green and Roddy Anderson as my starting wide receivers. However, Dalvin Cook seems to finally be getting back to his old self, and he and Adam Thielen really put me over the top in this one. Let me just say, this week was really cathartic for me. And I'm not going to name names, mostly because I don't remember who it was at this point. But I think a few of you owe a few of my guys an apology. I was ribbed when I picked up A.J. Green off the scrap heap and was chastised for calling Cole Beasley a high-ceiling guy. Well, both of those moves have finally paid off. And honestly, even if A.J. Green doesn't score another touchdown this season, he's always got a spot at the end of my roster. J.D., on the other hand, just couldn't get it together, despite a big week from Cooper Cup and DeAndre Swift. Justin Herbert was out there looking average against a vaunted Baltimore defense. And when he scores under 15, it's tough to win in a league like ours. All right, that's it for the matchups from last week. Next, I'm going to talk just a little bit about what I find really interesting in this league. Okay. Up next, I want to talk just a little bit about what I think is really cool about this league, and that's that's the parity across the board. First, in the SEC division, we've got Team Mitch sitting at five and one, with Team Andreas at four and two, uh, and then we have Jonathan and Jacob and Tanner all at three and three, with me bringing up the rear at two and four. And in the Alliance division, we've got Seth at five and one, with JD at four and two. Um, Braden and Nick Marr, both at 3-3, three three, with Brendan at 1-5 and five, and Corey um, at an unfortunate 0-6. So, you know, what's really neat about this is that, that there's only one team that's really way out ahead and everybody else is really crammed in the middle. And so with several weeks left to go, um, it's really anybody's league. I mean, even a, even a team like mine that's sitting at 2-4, and four, um, revamped roster, could really uh, make a run and, and get up into the playoffs, into that top six area. Whereas, you know, even, even Brennan could, could get up there at one and five. I'm not sure about, about Corey. I think he may need to, uh, you know, if this keeps up a little a couple more weeks, he may need to pack it in and, and uh, tank the rest of the year, try to bring in some draft picks. But we'll see. I mean, it's anybody's league. There's, there's uh, I think our playoffs start at week 15, if I'm not mistaken. And so there's, you know, nine more weeks left. I mean, that's, that's really anybody's game. And, you know, a couple of key injuries or some trades that, that change some things could really. Really bring it down to the wire, and so I just think that's that's really neat, especially in a in a dynasty league with this many teams. You know, a twelve team league can can really make it difficult for everybody to have enough talent. So, um, yeah, I, I really am, am enjoying this league and having fun playing against you guys. And just wanted to talk a little bit about the parity. Um, it's not like there's one team that's six and oh and everybody else is is below five hundred. So um, anyway, now let's move on and we'll talk about. Boys, let's go so first, we have Andreas facing off with Corey. Now, oh, I see that Corey's got Tua in his starting lineup. Um, I'll be interesting to see what happens with Deshaun Watson, but uh, is, is Tua going to hold firm to the starting spot there and help uh, Corey g- grab his first win, or, or is Lamar Jackson going to bounce back and keep Andreas's losing streak to just one? Looks like to me that Lamar's not going to have too many weeks in a row where he's had bad games, so I look for Andreas to pull that one out and Corey to go to 0-7. Sorry, bud. Next up, it's Seth versus Mitch. Seth will be without Josh Allen, who's on a bye week, and Christian McCaffrey, who is on IR for at least the next three weeks. So these are the weeks that Seth's really going to lean on his uh, long nights and hard work on developing uh, a roster that's one of the deepest in our league. I still think it'll be a tough one, and I think we might see our first six-win team Uh, with Mitch taking that matchup this week. Next, Nick and Tanner face off, another law school duel. Tanner has seven players on bye week this week, uh, with another three questionable or worst injury designations. So, Tanner, it might be best just to pencil this one in as a loss and enjoy your weekend. I look for Nick to end his two-week losing streak behind a a wide receiver heavy lineup. Up next, J.D. takes on Jacob, another uh, law school matchup. Uh, In this matchup, one team will keep keep a streak alive, and the other will stop one. JD's hoping to stop his one-game losing streak behind Zach Wilson at quarterback, while Jacob hopes that Tyree Kill missing practice Wednesday is not a sign of what's to come. So he can keep his win streak of one game alive. I think Cooper Cup is going to dominate again, though, and I look for JD to pull this one out. Next, we have Brennan and Jonathan facing off. Brennan may want to figure out a way to get one or both of Metcalf and lock it out of his lineup, at least until Russell Wilson returns. Otherwise, I'd look for Jonathan to win this one, even with Carson Wentz at quarterback. Finally, we have me against Braden Davis. I've got a few key guys on bye with Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen being two of them. I was able to pick up a wide receiver for Cleveland, People's Jones, for a cool six bucks on the waiver wire. So we'll see how he does this week. Braden is hoping that his trade for Alvin Kamara um, will pay off and Kamara can stay hot for him after his bye week. Obviously, I'm biased, but I think I'm going to pull this one out, but we'll see. All right. Enough of me. Let's get to the interview with another mostly legal fantasy owner, Nick Marr. All right. I've got Nick Marr. He's a, another uh, owner in the, the league. He's a, a OU law grad, like like most of
1: us here. Nick, thanks for joining us today, all the way from. Uh, Sunny Dallas, Texas. Thank you. I'm a long time listener, first time caller, and I just took two Tylenol PMs, so we're gonna see how, how it goes.
0: <laughs> Very good. I uh, I have a similar level of tiredness. I was awake with a six month old from three to five this morning, so we'll we'll have some fun here. This will be good. <laughs> um, so the first thing I just want to ask is how uh, how you knew to trade McCaffrey, and how much did you pay? to learn that
1: information (laughs) uh i'm 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 either gonna look back at this and it's gonna be the smartest thing i did all year or i've officially entered my al davis raiders era it's it's one (laughs) or the other um so we'll we'll find out uh i'm i'm pretty uh banged up right now So Mm -hmm. I kind of was taking help where I could get it. And I think that Mike Williams is going to consistently deliver. I know he's a little banged up too, but he's got a bye week this week. So I think he's going to bounce back strong. And I don't know if Christian's going to be back at full strength anytime soon. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think you're right. I think he's, he's got a little ways to go going on IR today.
1: Yeah. They put him back on IR after showing, you know, what had been reported as decent progress. So that's another three weeks there. And that just uh, gives him bad vibes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think definitely it was the right move. If this was a, uh, a single season league, I don't, I don't know about it with it being a uh, uh, dynasty league, but we'll see. Like you said, time will tell. And and you did get get several good players. So we'll we'll talk more about the details of that trade here in a minute. Sure. Um, all right. So uh, next thing I want to harass you about is how exactly you ended up in Cleveland for the the Browns Cardinals game.
1: You just so that was one of those things where. I got my dad a present that was also for myself um, Nice. where that was his birthday present that I just happened to tag along. You know, when I was six for his birthday, I got my dad tickets to see Pokemon the movie. And uh, <laughs> this is that just 22 <laughs> years later. Awesome.
0: That's amazing. Well, very good. Was it was, it was pretty fun. How, what was the atmosphere like there?
1: You know, it's a it's a fun fan base. You know they they're not they're not fair weathered That's for sure. They wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be Cleveland fans if they were. JD can attest to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty rowdy bunch. Uh, pretty pissed off about everything all the time. Uh, I heard a lot of Baker slander, and then when he went down, uh, there was a lot of "No, we can't lose Baker." <laughs> uh but i think that's just nfl fans generally
0: right sure
1: sure um so if i were
0: if i was to put the over under on dog costumes at
1: 50 would you would you say it was over or under it was under it was oh, under really? slightly i saw a gorilla costume Hmm. A little kid wearing a gorilla costume. I didn't know if he thought that's what a dog looks like. It's Cleveland's <laughs> Cleveland's a strange place. Uh, or yeah. if that's just the best he could get together.
0: Yeah, nice. Well, cool. Looked like it was, looked like it was fun, and Kyler put on a show, as always. So. Oh, man, Kyler sure always
1: that's... puts on a show.
0: Yeah.
1: Everybody's yelling sure at him, talking about how, how short he is, but it doesn't matter if he can throw over the line and he can't catch him.
0: Yeah, that's that's right. Cool. Okay. Well, um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about your uh, McCaffrey trade and, and that's kind of part of a, a trend in this league, which I really enjoyed. I think, you know, this, this league has seemed to have a lot of both minor and major trades uh, happen. Um, so I kind of wanted to get your take on some of the big trades earlier in the episode. I talked about how uh, three of the top four uh, running backs taken have been traded now with Alvin Kamara, Saquon Barkley, and um and now Christian McCaffrey, the only one being left is my guy, uh, Davante right. Hook, who I'm I'm holding on to for dear life. Um, so uh, you kind of answered this a little bit, but but just give us a little bit more detail on what made you decide to pull the trigger on on trading McCaffrey.
1: So I had it. It really was the the combination of two things, which is just injuries all around. I think we're all suffering injuries pretty heavily right now. It's mid season. It's kind of how it tends to go. Um, but I have had enough injuries for the past couple of weeks. I think it. I think it really did cause me to lose at least two of these three. Um, and I kept holding out, thinking, "Well, Christian's going to bounce back, and Michael Thomas is going to finally start playing, and Jameis will just throw to him nonstop." And I haven't really had either of those things happen. And with Christian going back on IR. Uh, that's really what made me a little wary. I mean, the the shelf life for running backs in the league is so short. And not that receivers are much better, um, but I thought I was getting two quality receivers uh, who would consistently produce. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, time will tell. But the more I think about it, the more I'm all right with it.
0: Nice. Cool. Okay. Um, Well, let's just go through the the big three then. What what about uh, the Alvin Kamara trade? So on that one, just to refresh... Uh, Corey sent uh, Alvin Kamara to Braden in return for uh, Dak and two future picks: Jonathan's 2022 first in, first round and then Seth's 2022 second round. So, so um, Corey's doubling up now on on picks in this upcoming rookie draft. So, what are your thoughts on on that one? You think that's that's enough? I mean, just I know Dak produces a lot, but but Alvin Kamara, I think before the bye week was over 30 points so your thoughts on that you think that was that was a fair deal or
1: see it's interesting because i think like all or at least most of us i've never done a dynasty league before so i can't decide yet what the value is when we're trading draft picks that's why i haven't done it i don't know what overall value that's going to end up it could be huge it really could i mean two additional draft picks that could early draft picks. I think they were first and second rounds. Uh, That could really get you somewhere. Um, But I don't know enough yet to know how that's going to shake out when we get to next season. I'm, I'm very uh, short term minded right now, which is probably a bad thing and and why I could very well regret the McCaffrey trade. Uh, So I think, you know, again, it's just going to have to be a time will tell scenario. I mean, obviously Camara versus Dak Alvin's the better producer. Uh, but those two draft picks could very well become extremely valuable looking back on this, you know, in a year. Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Okay. Uh, and the last one, um, my uh, Braden, where um, I sent waiver wire legend, Cordero Patterson, <laughs> uh, Amari Cooper. And uh, I said, I actually sent Jonathan's 2022 first rounder to Braden, which he then traded for uh, in the Camara pick. Um, for Barkley and then I also got back Braden's 2023 first round pick so thoughts on that one I, we just sort of we just sort of you know I sort of swapped first there um I'm it puts me now without first rounders I had two coming into the season and traded uh Tanner swindled my first rounder out of me for um Madison out of, was, out of, out of uh,
1: Minnesota and then I I got rid of Jonathan's in this deal so thoughts on that trade yeah well two things. one, I hope by the time this season is over, we all have at least one of Jonathan's draft picks. I think <laughs> I think we're well on our way there right now. Uh, yeah. So I think he's got a few left if he can just farm them out, I'll be happy to take one or two. But <laughs> two, I think I think that, think that, I think that... that your thinking in mind may not be too far off, which is you know, let's just build up the best team I can right now and then take the rookies that I can get when I get them later on. Uh, there's so many unknown variables out there as far as you know is this guy going to be a bust even if he was great in college Uh, so you know obviously there'll be new players to consider next year but I I like your move there at the very least I can say I understand it yeah and I think um,
0: you know a similar deal to to, with McCaffrey going back on IR Barkley got uh, hurt almost immediately after this trade went through and then came back and scored me exactly 0. 0.92 points. And then <laughs> the uh, the baseball in the ankle picture that will forever be burned into my memory. Um, so he's now out for another, at least two or three weeks. Um, so I'm, I may be regretting it just for the simple fact that the guy can't, unfortunately can't stay on the field. But um, that was kind of my thinking is like, if I can get to, you know, two guys that are in uh run heavy offenses in, in right. Robin Cook and in Barkley, then I'm going to do it. I wouldn't necessarily do that for any other number one running back. Um, there's only a handful of them that you can do that for, um, which talking to just continue to talk about myself. Cause this is the only chance I've got to do it. Um, <laughs> uh, that's, that's why I put so much out there for um, the handcuffs for both uh Dalvin and then you and I swapped running backs today
1: yeah I'm the uh, proud recipient you know, of James Conner so
0: yeah he's he's been good to me I've had him in leagues before
1: he's he's he I, has his moments I like him as a person which I don't know if that <laughs> that's a bad basis um but I liked him at the Steelers
0: yeah but uh but yeah you know that's that's why I wanted to get those those guys as handcuffs because I knew that they were they were injury prone. So it was worth it for me to go out and get those. So anyway, cool. Okay. So um, to, to wrap up the trade talk um, of the three, you know, you don't have to rank them, but just which one do you think was, was like, who, who do you think of the, the folks involved in the trade was the biggest winner? And then who do you
1: think was the, the worst loser on those? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'd say the one I'm the most curious to see play out is who picked up the, the two draft picks. Was that? Uh, uh, let's see. That
0: was, whoops. Um, Cor- yeah, Cor- Corey got the
1: two draft picks from. Okay. I can't remember if it was Corey or Brayden. Yeah, I think yeah. That, that that may end up being a very good deal. Uh yeah. two early draft picks can change a team. And like I said, you know, I, I haven't made that move, but I think that I could look back and kick myself for not having maybe at least try to leverage McCaffrey for a draft pick as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I'll tell you, mine is the one that scares me the most, obviously, because I'm personally connected to it. But I do know that like Mike Williams played a little hurt in the last game. Uh, there's no doubt about that. His performance suffered as a result. So that makes me pretty nervous. I could quickly become the biggest loser of these deals should he come out of the bye week and not be healthy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially if he doesn't take the time off to to rest and, and fully recover before he tries to come back. Sometimes, especially with receivers, they'll, they'll come back hobbled just to play as a decoy more than anything. Uh, right, so and I...
1: I, I i'm willing to go down there and you know i'll i'll you know give him an injection of whatever it is that he needs <laughs> i will personally yeah. attend to him i'm here to help
0: nice nice, cool okay well um that kind of wraps up our, our trade talk so i've what i've done is i have found a website with you're a you went to undergrad at OU right and then graduated from from OU law so you're a you're a, a Sooner Born and Bred, right? Am I I have never um,
1: gone to a school that was not in Norman, Oklahoma.
0: Okay. Okay. Even better. So nice. Okay. So I've, I found a website that has 124 um, OU football trivia questions. So what I thought I would do is we'll, we'll do three questions. I'll let you pick a number between 1 and 120, 124, and I'll ask you whatever questions there. Some of these are really hard. I've looked at a few of them. Some of them are, are pretty easy. Um, so
1: we'll just kind of, there is,
0: there's a couple of these where I'm like, I'm not going to let you answer those. So well, well I appreciate we'll you, one, so.
1: you of all people be, being willing to look up OU football trivia.
0: Hey, I'm, I'm the epitome of the, the license plate, the split household license plate thing, you know, graduated <laughs> from OSU and then, um, Swallowed my pride and, and went to OU for a, uh, for law school, so so no no problems there. So okay, so let's start. We'll do three of these, and, and we'll see how you end up. Um, so we'll pick a number between one and one hundred
1: twenty four. Okay, uh, <laughs> that's your first question. We'll we'll do seventy two.
0: Seventy two. Okay, now it may take me a minute to,
1: to I, get to these. I, the I end understand that's a long. So you drive. may have
0: to fill some some dead space here. Um,
1: We're gonna do ad reads for stamps.com.
0: Yeah, there you go.
1: Don't you hate you go. going to the post office?
0: <laughs> what your number was 72 yeah 72 okay and I haven't read any of the I haven't read this one at all so okay um which of the following players won the Heisman Trophy during his career at OU? OUC Some of these oh, are super okay. uh, Steve Owens Greg Pruitt Josh Heupel or Adrian Peterson
1: it was Steve Owens but all of those people should have won a Heisman Trophy
0: that's yeah, I, I won't agree on. I'll, I'll I'll give you ad on that one, but um, it was
1: just because he was a freshman.
0: Yeah, and uh, Heiple though he he threw the football like his arm was a wet noodle.
1: Hey, that's <laughs> '90s OU football, baby. We yeah, won the championship with that wet noodle.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're one one for one so far. Um, and just as a little, this is because this is fun for those that don't know OU football. Owens became the second Heisman winner from OU in 1969. Uh, Heupel and Pruitt each finished second in the voting their senior year, while Peterson was the runner-up as a true. All right. What's next? One through 124.
1: Except
0: 18. We're to to... Okay. You're going to make the scroll again. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'll make yeah, the next uh,
1: one a little bit closer.
0: Yeah. Any Anything behind these numbers?
1: Nothing are whatsoever. It's totally random? Yeah. yeah. These are not lucky numbers. I got nothing.
0: All right. Now, this one I don't know. Which former Sooner quarterback never wore the number one? Your options are Bobby Wormack, Danny Bradley, J.C. Watts, and Dean Blevins. Dino.
1: Man, these are, these are obscure ones. Who were the first okay. two?
0: <laughs> Bobby Wormack and Danny Bradley.
1: I think Dean Blevins were number one. Uh, so I will say Wormack. I don't know.
0: Well, the answer is Dean Levins.
1: Oh, he, well, there uh, you go.
0: Yeah, he was a four-year letterman from 1974 to 1977
1: and he wore number 2. You know, he's a great basketball player too. Mm, yeah, he uh, have you ever heard the
0: Sports Animal clip where they called him after that surgery? A no. <laughs> oh my god, it's hilarious. Yeah, he uh he Alan, or no, it was the morning show. They they called him the day after he had some surgery and he had was out of it and didn't know it was happening
1: and Took a leak on air. Really funny. In the grand scheme uh, of things, he could have done worse. Yeah, uh, We'll say yeah. we'll keep it local. We'll go 20, uh, 22. 22. Okay. All right. For the last question, so you're one and one
0: This will this will give you bragging rights if you get it right, and you'll be the the uh, scourge of the OU message boards if you get it right. <laughs> okay. The Sooners' first bowl victory came in the 1947 Gator Bowl. Who was their opponent?
1: Oh, this is just an open-ended question. Gator Bowl, 1941. Okay. All right. Let's think about who was good because I I don't know the answer to this. I'll uh, I'll
0: make up some some answers and give you the right one in there somewhere. So I'll do four. So we'll have – we'll do Florida, Arizona State, Michigan, or North Carolina State.
1: I want to guess Michigan.
0: And the correct answer was North Carolina State.
1: North Carolina State. Yeah. Well, I'm just a poser. I, yeah. I have failed. You want to guess the score? It's got the score on here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. It was high 13 scoring to 7.
0: 34-13. You got one number right. That's pretty good. will really? so oh, third of I'll, point for that one.
1: I'll take whatever I can get. That's higher scoring than I would have thought for back then. Yeah. Just a yeah. bunch of white guys who, you know, didn't quite make the draft cut. Or just got yeah. back. So they're tired. I'm surprised yeah. for scoring that many points.
0: Yeah. Okay. Here we'll give you a, a Redeemer question. Um, in what year did Oklahoma <laughs> win its first national championship?
1: Uh, let's see. Fifty. Fifty. That's right. Yeah, You got. Yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely wasn't okay. waiting to add another number at the end of that.
0: Yeah. No. Not at all.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Uh, Bud Wilkinson was coach. Sooners went to ten and zero in the regular season. And at the end of the season, they were named national champions. At that time, the title was given out before bowl games. So Oklahoma's loss to Kentucky in the Orange Bowl did not count against it.
1: Yeah, there used to just be like magazines called like, you know, football today. And they would yeah. just sit down and be like, you're the national champion now. Yeah. I'm and sure it, there was no. It was no, uh, four schools every year. And that—that's my Alabama claims seventeen national championships or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we're bringing that back. We've decided Thank to get rid of the playoff committee, and we're and we're bringing that back instead. Bringing back the
0: the national championships yearly.
1: Yeah, it's now gonna be know? Skip Bayless decides now.
0: So. Cool. Okay. Well, that uh, that does it for our our Q and A question. So appreciate you coming on and uh, and filling some time with me. This was a good time. I'm glad we got to do it. Um,
1: well, it's a it's a yeah. great honor of mine and uh I'm, I'm happy to do it and i appreciate you having me
0: yeah good luck uh good luck in the next few weeks except for when we have we already played yeah we already played so good luck and the rest <laughs> of the season and we'll uh, maybe we'll see you in the playoffs
1: thank you sir